And welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and we are going to be talking about who I think college football's top 10 teams are entering week four. Many of these teams will be facing their toughest challenge of the season yet, but I think all of these teams are up for handling their respective challenges this week. Let's start with number 10, Utah. The Utes right now are 3-0. and They're undefeated, as are all of my top 10 teams currently. They have not played a conference game yet, though. They will be facing UCLA, who's ranked number 22 in the AP poll. They'll be facing them this Saturday. It appears that Rising is healthy. However, a weakness of Utah so far this year has been health. And the depth of the team, in my mind, has been rattled because of injuries. Brant Cuthy, their tight end, for example, he's out likely for this Saturday, and he's been out for weeks. Cameron Rising has been out for weeks. And whether it's Nate Johnson or Bryson Barnes at quarterback, the Utes are not getting the same level of play, not even close out of their backups compared to their starters. So in my mind... What's holding this team back is injuries. Their strength is their trench play, whether it's Junior Tafanu on the defensive line or other defensive line players and their physical offensive line and run game with running back Jaquindon Jackson. And also Nate Johnson has proven himself to be a great runner. As a quarterback, I love what Utah does in the trenches. They find innovative ways to win football games, coming back late against Baylor, you know, basically playing, from my view of it, backyard football to crush Florida in week one. This team's well-coached. They have one of the best staffs in the country. That's why I have them at number 10. And if they do heal up, they will rise in my top 10 as long as they are winning games, and I think they'll dominate games when they get healthy. I think they have elite players at running back, tight end, and at the defensive line. But again, they're dealing with so many injuries right now. Tight end, I think with Kuthi out, certainly is not elite. But yes, Mean and others in that room are doing well. Also, Lander Barton, shout out to him. Young, younger linebacker. He got a pick six against Weber State last week. So Utah has good players on offense and defense. Guys who are sophomores and freshmen who are stepping up and playing a high level of football. At number nine, we have the Oregon Ducks. Oregon being another Pac-12 team, a conference that won't exist after this season, another Pac-12 team that has not yet played a conference matchup. They will, like Utah, play their first conference matchup of the year this weekend against Colorado. Um, They're a 21-point favorite over Colorado. I'm going to be giving a preview and prediction for that game in a video that will release either later today or early tomorrow morning. The strength of Oregon is their offense. They are fast. Troy Franklin unofficially clocked a sub-4-3 40-yard dash, and then we have Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington at running back, who are known to be home run hitters. Bo Nix is the definition of a dual-threat quarterback, plain and simple. He's fast. He can throw the ball, and he's also intelligent. Um, In order to play high-level football like what's being played at Oregon or for any of these top 10 teams, you got to have an intelligent quarterback. 
and Bonix is that he's really turned his um he's really written a new chapter in his life um to say at Oregon ever since transferring in from Auburn the Ducks have elite players at quarterback they also have depth behind Bo Nix and Ty Thompson who's you know being groomed as the next guy I believe after Bo Nix leaves running back wide receiver and also offensive line with the Johnny Cornelius and Jackson Powers Johnson there are great offensive line players up in Eugene and the offense is known for its speed the rush defense had some problems against Texas Tech I don't expect it to be challenged by Colorado who is one of the worst rushing attacks in the nation due to their offensive line but when Oregon plays USC and Utah these are Pac-12 teams who can run and especially Oregon State this run defense could cripple their season However, the Ducks have impressed me, especially on offense, through the first three weeks of the college football season. At number eight, we have Texas. Many of you may think that this placement is low, but I had Texas around my top ten, just outside of my top ten, when the season began. And I'm not trying to be very reactive with my top 25, and I think there are a variety of things that are wrong with Texas. Number one being that I think they're back. I said that in the preseason. My standard of them being back was winning the Big 12. I think they're on pace to doing that right now. But Alabama doesn't look good. Alabama's far worse than I expected them to be. And I want to see how Texas survives, especially with their defense and with the way they're playing to competition, not exactly looking super efficient or putting it on and having some ups and downs. I'm curious to see how they survive Big 12 play, especially when they are facing teams like Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, teams that can move the football on their defense. And in the case of Kansas State, they have a solid enough defense to maybe test Texas's offense. Right now, the Longhorns are 3-0. and They're traveling on the road to face Baylor. This weekend, a lot of my friends, for whatever reason, think that that's going to be an upset spot. It's definitely a trap spot. Baylor looks horrible, but I still think Dave Aranda is a good head coach. And Baylor has pieces at O-line and running back to be able to cause some damage, and it's a road game. But Texas is the far superior team, so I think they're going to be tested down the road. Um, But the defense has to work on containing big plays. They were poor at that, especially at secondary, which I think is their weakness, against Alabama, where Jalen Milrow and Alabama's wide receivers, who are the worst they've been in probably over a decade, were able to gash Texas's secondary when Milrow was accurate. The offense overall, though, the talent is insane. Sarkeesian is one of the best play callers in the nation, and the wide receivers and tight ends are elite. The offensive line and defensive line have impressed me, and overall, I think the Longhorns are on track to potentially reaching the college football playoff. At number seven, we have the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State notched their first ACC win over Boston College last weekend in a 31-29 win. They crushed LSU in week one, and they played sluggishly, but still battered southern miss in week two this team through the portal has built one of the strongest and most impressive rosters in the country at skill position both on offense 
and also on defense with their players at secondary, I'm very impressed with the roster and program that Mike Norvell has built. I think that the defense, though, overall, due to schematics and also due to what I've seen against Boston College and LSU even, is questionable. LSU suffered from drops and a lot of missed executions against Florida State's defense that, if those were corrected, could have resulted in big plays. And Boston College was able to run especially with their athletic quarterback. So there are some concerns with Florida State's defense. I think they have to improve at stopping the run, but at wide receiver, tight end, defensive end, and also corner, they have awesome players, and they can line up in multiple formations and attack any defense with efficiency. Keon Coleman has played very good football, an elite wide receiver there. Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock, those are great tight ends. Jaheim Bell being able to line up as a receiver, traditional tight end, running back, just the ultimate Swiss Army knife of college football. Jared Verse at defensive end, and then Jordan Travis, who's pictured here, right now is in the Heisman conversation. They have a big, big game on the road against Clemson, who I know is unranked in Florida State's number four in the actual AP poll, but they're not favored by very much, and that's a total game where the Seminoles could come into Death Valley and lose. So it's very critical that Florida State goes into Death Valley and comes out with their first win in the rivalry series since 2014, but as I've already discussed in my prediction video for that game, I have faith that the Seminoles will go in and beat Clemson. Before we go any further into this video, I encourage you to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more college football content, and also when I release these top 10s weekly. If you want to see the rest of my top 25, you can go into my community section, and the most recent post released around the time of this video will show the remaining 15 teams of my top 25. And you can also go and scroll through my channel and find the different games that I've predicted and previewed for week four. This is going to be a very exciting week of college football. And this week has the most top 25 matchups in a single week of college football since 2015. So this is going to be a grand weekend for the world's greatest sport, at least in my humble opinion. And speaking of greatness, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State recently has been a team that has struggled to get over the hump. They won the Big Ten in 2016, and as of now, that looks more of a fluke than anything consistent. But this year could be different. And Drew Aller is Penn State's potentially best quarterback under James Franklin. Trace McSorley set that bar, I would say, high, not at impossible heights. But Drew Aller against West Virginia and against Delaware looked like an elite quarterback. Obviously, starting for the first time on the road meant that he was going to face some struggles against Illinois, but Penn State picked up their first conference win there, and Aller returns home to play in his first ever whiteout game as a starter against the Iowa Hawkeyes, this being a top 25 matchup. Penn State's 7th in the AP poll, and Iowa is 24th in the AP poll. In, in the preseason, I was lower on Penn State than many were because I didn't think that Aller was going to come out and be this good, and I had concerns about Penn State's interior trench play. 
and rightfully so. Penn State's interior trench play is not living up to the Big Ten standard whatsoever. Their offensive line has had struggles on the interior, though they've been great at pass blocking, mostly because of Olu Fashanu. And their defensive tackles, I think controversially enough, are not good by Big Ten standards. However, their passing defense is a huge strength, and their passing offense, I think, even with some questions at wide receiver outside of Lambert Smith, with Aller's arm, and he has elite ball placement when he's on point and when he's playing his A game, Penn State is more dangerous, and I think they have a higher ceiling than I anticipated in the preseason. So that's why I'm having them at number six, actually I'm having them ranked higher than in the AP poll, despite being someone who still thinks that Ohio State and Michigan are currently ahead of them. But they have elite players at running back. I know that Allen and Singleton haven't exactly shined in the first three weeks, but they're still elite running backs. Their performance in the first three weeks, I think, isn't indicative of their performance for the whole season. At linebacker, they have Abdul Carter. Corner, they're elite with Johnny Dixon and Kalen King, and they have great safeties as well, and one of the nation's better defensive staffs. The trenches could hurt their Big Ten title hopes, but if they can improvise around that, and if their trench play can improve, I know they had some injuries at defensive tackle, this team does have the potential to win the Big Ten and reach the college football playoff. And we have Oregon State at fifth. This is probably one that's going to get me a lot of questions and potentially um, disagreements, to put it lightly, in the comments section. But the Beavers are so strong at offensive line. Um, their only weakness in my mind watching their games is talent. That's it. They don't have a lot of blue-chip talent. In fact, DJ Uyungle is their only five-star, and they only have like seven, eight, or nine four-stars on the roster. That's their weakness, watching them. They're one of college football's most efficient teams. They have a smash-mouth offense in the Pac-12's, I'd say, best or second-best defense around there with Utah. And they still have managed to nurture elite players. At running back, they have Damian Martinez, who's great. At offensive line, they have, I think, potentially the nation's number one offensive line. And they're efficient at every position. At quarterback, DJ Uyungle right now is one of the nation's more efficient quarterbacks. And behind him, Aiden Childs is looking great as a true freshman. And on defense, they just swarm to the ball. They know how to get penetration. They're solid at tackling. And they have underrated wide receivers and tight ends as well. Jonathan Smith is a wizard. And this team could go to the college football playoff and this team, despite the talent that likely, I'm not going to say will, but likely will hold them back, they could do more than just reach the college football playoff and win the Pac-12. They're that efficient. They're that good. Jonathan Smith has carried teams to the playoff before with his schematics and efficiency. He did it with Washington in 2016. They can totally do that this season. And I think right now, they are the second best team in the Pac-12. You'll find out in a few minutes who I think the Pac-12's best team is. But their offensive line is elite. That's their strength. Um, I'm just loving everything that Oregon State is doing right now. I know they haven't played anyone, but I have a good feeling about this team, and I had them in my top 10 or very close to my top 10 in the preseason, so I haven't made a radical move. I've been high on them in the beginning. 
At number four, we have Georgia. This will probably be the lowest I rank Georgia all year until they lose a game. They're too talented, they have too good of a reputation, and their schedule is easy. And Kirby Smart, I think right now, is the best head coach in college football. I think Saban losing to Texas and seeing his decision-making against South Florida, this is probably an overreaction, but I'm just going to come out and say it. Probably my first overreaction that I'm going to stick with for the season. Kirby Smart is college football's best head coach, straight up. He is the best of the best. He's not the GOAT, because that takes into account all time, but at this very moment, he is college football's best head coach. The defense that Georgia continues to have, despite losing draft pick after draft pick, starter after starter, and with the transfer portal now, transfer after transfer, remember they lost Bear Alexander to USC, nothing nothing matters. Kirby Smart doesn't care. The defense is still elite. It might be the number one defense in the country. Um, they're 3-0. and They're 1-0 in conference. They had a comeback win over South Carolina. They're playing board. I think that is probably more so their main weakness is just they're playing board. But Carson Beck has had some issues um, offensively, and I think the entire offense has as well. I thought that Georgia's offense would be more explosive against these lighter opponents, but the offense has been very inconsistent. The defense, on the other hand, has been the opposite. The defense is extremely consistent, getting sacks, defensive touchdowns, tackles for loss, having great coverage. Georgia has elite players at tight end and O-line and offense, and then at every position on defense, there is an elite player, and they have the nation's best defensive staff. They're playing board right now. I expect them to go 13-0. and It looks to me that as long as Georgia can you know, sure up their play and get motivated and they don't become lazy, they should easily go 13-0 in the SEC. Carson Beck has yet to get a grip on the offense, and that could be a concern against teams down the road. I would say especially Auburn, if they do beat A&M this week, that could be a concern for Carson Beck's first road game as a starter. But I still think Georgia is the best team in the SEC by a mile. Again, this will be the lowest I rank them all year. They're too talented, and they're too well-coached. Speaking from a few minutes ago, the best team in the Pac-12 is the Washington Huskies. And if they continue to perform like this, like they have been against Boise State, Tulsa, and Michigan State, and every other team in college football remains constant as well in their performance— the Huskies will eventually rise to number one in my polls. Right now, they are the most impressive team in college football by a mile. They're 3-0. and They've taken the head off of everyone they faced. It looks like they finally have a good or great defense. Their passing game's the best in the nation. Their weakness is special teams. And that some would say that's a big weakness. But then again, Nick Saban, for years won national titles and dominated the SEC and owned college football's number one program in Alabama, and special teams was their weakness. If you're going to have a weakness, let it be that you're playing board or let it be special teams. Special teams are important. They are. Um, they can make or break a game. But Washington is great everywhere else outside of, I would say, running back but they're one of the worst teams in special teams efficiency, according to ESPN. So 
it's either that or running back play, but running back plays because of injury. Dylan Johnson there is still doing well, and they're getting their wide receivers involved in the run game and the wildcat formation, and that's working out very well. The Huskies have elite players at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, and defensive end. They have two NFL DNs, and they have an elite offensive staff with Kalen DeBoer, Ryan DeGrub. Um, Ryan Grubb, not DeGrub. My bad. I was thinking of Kalen DeBoer too much. Um, Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, and Jalen McMillan, that might be the best wide receiver core in all of college football. And that's, you know, remembering that we have Ohio State on our hands. But Washington's wide receivers so far this year, a lot of that is because they've had the better quarterback, have been more impressive than Ohio State's wide receivers in my mind. I need to see more snaps, more games played by the defense, because I don't know if it's legit yet, but there's a big chance that Washington does have a legit defense. And if they do have a great defense with their offense, this team could totally win the national title, despite not being one of the 16 teams to have a greater than 50% blue chip ratio. And historically, teams that have a 50% or greater blue chip ratio are the only teams who can win the college football national championship. But that's beside the point. We have Ohio State at number two. The Buckeyes are 3-0. and They're 1-0 in conference. And if they beat Notre Dame this weekend, they're going to be number one, straight up. If they beat Notre Dame this weekend, in my, in my opinion, and they beat them the way I think they will by 18 points, and you know, teams behind them aren't as impressive and the lone team ahead of Ohio State struggles in their conference game, their inaugural conference game, Ohio State will likely jump to number one. In week three, they had one of the more impressive performances of that Saturday at skill positions. Again, offensively and defensively, like Florida State, they're very impressive. Their weakness is the offensive line. That's it. If they had a Joe Moore award, caliber offensive line, they'd probably be number one in my poll. Or they would be still number two, but, you know, closer. And I would be more secure about my opinions on the Buckeyes. They're facing a big test in Notre Dame this weekend. I've already made a preview and prediction video for that game. I will link that video along with my other preview and prediction videos down in the comment section below. So you guys can check out those videos if you haven't already. The Buckeyes have elite players at wide receiver with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka, and at running back with Travion Henderson, Chip Trainum, Mayan Williams, at defensive tackle with Michael Hall, um, Ty Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams, linebacker with Tommy Eichenberg, and at safety, Josh Proctor's performed amazingly. Lathan Ransom's good, Jahad Carter's good. The Buckeyes are one of the best teams in college football, straight up. The special teams and offensive line, those are areas where there is concern. Ohio State's outside of the top 100 in special teams efficiency, according to ESPN. And the offensive line against a lot of these weaker opponents, especially on stretch plays and pass pro, has looked rather weak at tackle. And Notre Dame is... I think Notre Dame's defense is a paper tiger. That's part of the reason they're not in my top 10. But they're much better than Indiana... Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. So they will be a big test for this offensive line, and Notre Dame is a much better special teams unit too. So Ohio State's number two in my poll, 
if they dominate Notre Dame and other teams fail to perform, they will move to number one. And speaking of number one, we have the Michigan Wolverines. 3-0, and haven't played a conference game yet. They struggled in week three, I understand, but I had them number one in my preseason in weeks one and two. They looked very efficient when they had their starters out. They just seem un- they seemed uninterested. Week three was different. They were lazy. That's unacceptable. You can be uninterested, you can be bored, which I think is what Georgia was in week two and week one as well. Week three, I don't know if it was laziness or I don't know if it was boredom, but Georgia came back and dominated the second half. You know, they outscored South Carolina, I think, 21 to nothing in the second half and took that game away. Michigan, meanwhile, limped until they had turnovers in quarter three against Bowling Green, and then they pulled away. It was a very weird game. The off offense is great. Um, I'm not going to attach a label to it other than great. I think it has elite potential. I would lean toward it being elite at the end of the year, but after that Bowling Green game, I need to see how they perform against Rutgers this weekend before I attach myself to a label. The defense, meanwhile, I think is number one in college football. Do they have the best defensive staff? No. I think that Georgia has a better set of coordinators and coaches, but Michigan returned a lot more than Georgia did last year, and right now Michigan is number one in points allowed per game nationally, and they're number two in total defense, total yards allowed. And most of those yards and points have been allowed by backups and third stringers. The Wolverines have elite players at running back with Blake Corum, the offensive line with center Drake Nugent um, performing at a much higher level and excelling after a down week one performance, and then a defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, corner, and safety. Really the entire defense like Georgia, they have elite players everywhere. And they have the nation's best strength staff with strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert revitalizing Michigan's program into a one that controls the Big Ten right now. The Big Ten runs through Ann Arbor until proven otherwise, just like it did run through Columbus for several years. And if that angers you, then if you're Ohio State or you're Penn State, by all means, there is a pathway for you to beat Michigan. I don't think it's unlikely for especially Ohio State to beat Michigan and for Penn State with their quarterback play and the fact that they have home field advantage, they can overthrow Michigan. Michigan's weakness, outside of playing board, is forced errors, which I think is a part of them being disinterested. They have to stop, because Rutgers will take advantage of those mistakes. Minnesota is the type of scrappy team to take advantage of those mistakes. Michigan, like Georgia, until Michigan plays Penn State or Ohio State, should dominate every game. But if those two teams in particular too disinterested or too lazy, they could totally slip up and fall to a far inferior team. Georgia nearly did it against South Carolina. Michigan could totally do the same against Rutgers this weekend. And if they once again have a bad performance like they did against Bowling Green, they will drop in my poll. That's all I have to say for today. Thank you for listening to my video discussing my top 10 teams after week three of the 2023 college football season. I want to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters my All-American Spencer Bringhurst, and my All-Conference patrons Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. Check out the link in the description so that you can check out my Patreon 
and visit that page and make a decision as to whether you want to support the channel and get extra bonus content as well, depending on your tier. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.